He kicked it like it was a cat going off the back porch. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and welcome to Fire Up. I'm Dennis Carnahan, here with a serene Redfern Pat and a calm Chris Gale bathing in the glow of the second weekend this year when none of our teams has had a loss. And what a wonderful weekend of the Rugby League arts it has been. Some magnificent groups singing during the Pacific Tests from the crowd from the players. And do you know what the players were doing in those Pacific tests? They were playing. They were playing footy. Footy players playing footy for their families, their friends, their nations, their cultures. There is no greater expression of the art of rugby league than that. And what did the overlord Volandis think of players playing footy? He was so affronted by it that he's canned the Rep Weekend. Next year, there'll be no Rep Weekend. There'll be no Pacific Tests. He doesn't want players playing, making the game great again. He wants to make the game great again himself. But this episode of Fire Up is coming to you on the Diamantina Media Network from the Batuta Advocate Studios deep in the heart of Sydney. And how good is it to be in New South Wales right now? What a wonderful time it is for this state. What a tremendous bunch of victories the state of New South Wales has had recently. Sure, there are strikes everywhere and trains stopped and people chaining themselves to cars to stop traffic. But after last night having the most wonderful karyagi chicken bento box from Sushimi in Asquith, using up my last Dine and Discover voucher, today I had my flu vax, personally administered by friend of the show Dominic Perrottet Perrottet. I was so moved by the free vaccine that I forgot to ask him what his actual name was. There's so many victories for New South Wales, Chris. Among those tremendous wins, have I left any out? Dennis Carnahan, I offer you Exhibit A. Falling for it to be stopped, but it hasn't. Let's play on here. This kick is for Fua. Taylor's there. She's going to get back in the field to play here. That is massive from the dead ball line. She's going to go a lot further. No one is going to get to her over the halfway line. She's starting to get on the treadmill. Pauly is chasing. Oh, that is remarkable. New South Wales will win the game off the back of a length of the field try for Jada Taylor. Outstanding. What? So New South Wales won the women's under-19 state of origin. They did, and Matt Thompson... Another win! And Matt Thompson made a correct call. There it is. He actually said they'd win, and they did go on to win. And he didn't say of all people. Now, a length of the field try by Jada Taylor... That's Peter Saltis. Oh, it's Peter Saltis! There you go. Well, I stand corrected. Matt Thompson's still 0 for 7. Um, (laughs) The... Uh, Jada Taylor scored the length of the field try and it led to a lot of debate, Dennis, as to whether the um, description of that try is a 100-metre try Mm -hmm. or the fact that she actually turned and wheeled around in the in-goal area and ran extra metres, whether that was, say, 107, 108, 109 metres. How do we view that wonderful run by Jada Taylor? Well, so this gets into the the realm of rugby league mathematics. We really should be deferring to, to Benny... Elias on this, the professor of mathematics for rugby league. But there's there's two views. Obviously, there's actual ground covered, actual metres covered. So if she has done a little fish hook pattern, a J pattern, and she's run backwards in her own in goal and then looped around, obviously she's covered some ground laterally as well to then go forward. 
So she's probably covered 120 metres. So the actual run in distance, if she was on a treadmill, as, as apparently she was there, because it said she starts to get on the treadmill, maybe they should add those metres as well. So she's right. on the treadmill, so there's, there's, there's additional metres because the ground's moving. So maybe it's a 150-metre try. However, the statisticians who are trying to ruin the game, the statisticians would say forward, it, it's, there's only straight line between try line and try line. There is no deviation. So when you get metres forward, metres, you know, like when a player gets 290-odd metres in a game, that's only forward, only in one vector, on one plane. There's no X and Y. There's just X. So in that sense, you can't gain metres in the end goal. They don't count metres gained in the end goal. So it's just 100 metres. So she's gone from one end goal to the other. It's a straight-up 100-metre Try that's the length of the field is 100 metres. That's what it is. So there is rugby league math- mathematics writ large. You could, if I heard you correctly, and I did switch off a little while into that explanation. Well, listeners, if you're confused by the explanation of, excla- <laughs> explanation of rugby league mathematics, stay tuned. I know, we'll confuse you even more. There's plenty more examples where, in fact, time gets bent uh, <laughs> under rugby league mathematics. Now, that was a, the eighth wonder of the world, Leichhardt Oval. Mm. And the excitement just didn't finish there because New South Wales... Dennis, you're probably not aware of this, went on to win the men's under-19 as well was, against uh, Queensland. So, so, we've got Dinah Discover vouchers. We've got free flu vacs. We've got the under-19 women's winning and the under-19's men. Yes. and Aston- What a weekend. And what we heard during that game, I don't know whether Peter Pasoltis was calling this as well, because gosh, he sounds like Matt Thompson. We saw how much rugby league meets means to one of the game's greatest figures. Toby Rudolph seems like a bloke that enjoyed the bye week. Character. One of the great characters. But not to the extent of Jordan Degoe. Who's that? Sorry, he's an AFL player. He's in trouble. (laughs) He's in all sorts. (laughs) Don't you love the fact that we know Joey likes to party? That's a matter of record, right? He's sort of kind of dedicated to the party, but he's also dedicated to a game in which he is the eighth immortal, and that is rugby league. And his passion to rugby league supplants his passion for the party. So he has no idea who Collingwood AFL party meister Jordan Degoe is. And to be honest, I think he's missing out. Well, I think Joey was probably actually in denial there because you may recall he was caught with a pill in his pocket somewhere. The person who gave him the pill's name was Jordan Degoe. <laughs> but it wasn't his actual name. And this is, again, the beauty of the, the purity and the innocence and the, the callowness of Joey there that he's... He has no knowledge of this. So the AFL, the evil AFL marketing people, they're trying to steal the rugby league bad boy image by having these bad boys and making huge deals to to try and get them on the papers. But Joey's going, I'm having none of that. Rugby league purity. Can you imagine how good he would have been last year when they actually were physically in a bubble? Because he clearly (laughs) lives in a rugby league bubble. (laughs) Nothing else gets in or out. And if he was actually playing in a bubble... He'd probably be the 8th and ninth Immortal, all wrapped up into one. He'd be that good. He probably wouldn't actually notice the difference. Dennis, it doesn't end there. Uh, hang on. Are you saying, but wait, there's more? Are you going to say, but wait, there's more? There is more. Oh! So on Friday evening, where I have to admit, I had to uh, watch this game on replay because I'd been out to the cabaret, as I tried to do, because there's very little distinction. And between. how was the cabaret? It was wonderful. My uh, uh, former paramour, Meredith O'Reilly, delighted us with a number of show tunes and... Ooh. For me, the standout was Carly Simon's Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loved Me. What a terrific song that is. What a great is. idea doing a song from a Bond theme. So, in How'd the, you get to be so good, Dennis? <laughs> That's what I say. In the absence of rugby league, of NRL, in the absence of PWA, 
you went to the third form of cabaret. <laughs> That's right. So I got home to watch Women's Origin. Another win for the New South Wales no, Sky stop Blues. Stop it. And a personal highlight was, and she's fought a long way back. She had a blinder in 2019 at North Sydney Oval, Kira Dibb. And she's been Dibby. in the waistline, but Dibb is back. She threw the patented Dibb dummy in the first <laughs> half and scored a 40-metre solo try. It was absolutely sensational. And get this, Dennis. Talk about wrapping all these things together. She is, of course, the cousin of yeah. former PWA wrestler and now wrestling in WWE NXT as a superstar, Grayson Waller. So we were exchanging admiring comments about the Dib Dummy and Kira's wonderful performance as part of the Sky Blues securing the Origin Shield for New South Wales. Kira Dib. Kira Dib. State of Origin. WWE Cabaret. It's all coming up. Rugby League. Helen Pitt hasn't got a foot to stand on. Now, <laughs> I, I won't, no. Um, but there was one other game that I want to highlight, Dennis. Another and you, game. And you probably think that I'm going to talk about the game that I know that you want to talk about. But in fact, here's a bit of audio of the other marvellous rugby league game that graced our screens over this past weekend. Maybe it should be purple. There's more dancing. Hang on a moment. The ref wants to check if Flogger obstructed the defender on the way through. There you go. No try. And that, of course, was from the most recent episode of Bluey, The Decider. Did you catch Bluey the Decider, Dennis? I haven't seen Bluey the Decider. Who, who, who wins? Well, it's on ABC. Oh, no, no spoilers. It's on no, ABC. I, I've been watching it. And it's seven minutes of your life that you really should invest. I'm not going to give away the result, but I will tell you this. Each player that the great Ray Warren, who we highlighted last week, was unaware of Bluey until he was asked to do the gig. Each player had a particular name, and we heard Flogger there. And the reason that we focused on Flogger is without giving too much of the narrative away, uh, Bluey belongs to a family clearly residing in Queensland. And they're, yet they're blue. This is the thing. He goes, I'm called Bluey, but I, but I go for the purple team. She. Yeah. Sorry, she, she. Correct. And there are the next door neighbours and the mother of the next door neighbours is a Blues fan. So, of course, the kids, which team do I go for? Popcorn plays a big role in this. <laughs> which is, this is such a Queensland thing. Having to, it's, it's, it's. They still can't work it out. It's high art, Dennis. It's high and, the highest camp and art. One of the narrative devices is in supporting your team, you yell out at the other team. And remember, I think the age appropriate demographic is about two to seven, something like that. I'm not 100%. So, right in the middle of rugby league's target audience. This is where you're going to try and capture them, right? What you do to uh, demonstrate your support for your team is you yell out, We're going to flog you. We're going to flog you. So, there's a lot of, We're going to flog you. And then, of course, Flogger is in the game. And then finally, the two families come together, resolved by the support for the green and gold being the kangaroos. Uh, and kangaroo then a Kiwi's black and white dog family drives past. And have a guess what they yell out at the kangaroos fans. The, the Kiwis yell it out? Yeah. I don't know, sick brew? What do they do? What do they yell out? <laughs> We're going to flog you. you. <laughs> oh, of course they do. Well, So that means... I'm going to... I'm going to predict New South Wales won that. Oh, do we do we know who won that Origin game? We do, we, but we don't want to say it. We don't want to say it. We don't want to spoil it for. Has anyone. it been pointed out that that Origin game in that bluey, that is Ray Warren's 100th Origin? He finally cracked the ton. What a great this, moment this is that is! Clearly, why that is art. He declined the Channel Nine ministrations to say, "Come on, Ray, we need you 100." Look, I don't want 101. They go, "No, no, no. I'd rather do this." 101 Dalmatians is some it, Disney nonsense. He wants bluey because he understands. 
as opposed to the other 99 origins, which will be permanently fixed in a point in time, this bluey game with Flogger and all the other protagonists is eternal. It will always exist and therefore... It, as you, the hundredth. Yeah, you don't, and you don't rack it up as wins for New South Wales, wins for Queensland in a particular year. It's just its own vehicle. Well, fire up listeners. I'm going to say right now, don't ever tell anyone the result of that game. No. That, there can be no spoilers. And if you know the result, keep it to yourself. All, always. Yeah, and you talked about how Peter Volandis is yet again tearing at the fabric of the game. And I just want to say to Sir Peter, as he will soon be known, <laughs> is understand that the market penetration that Bluey has on a global basis dwarfs rugby league Mm. and he needs to change his views and stop treating rugby league like it's another version of horse racing and understand as we proselytise on this show, (laughs) rugby league is art. And if you need more situations, if I want to understand the difference between Matt Thompson and Peter Basaltis, I will put them in a context like Bluey, play school, Whatever you like. Well, that's where Dan Ganane is way ahead because he commentates like he's on play school. <laughs> to Powell. Gives it to whoever. And he knocks it on. And let's not forget, goodbye. What's <laughs> well, more like goodbye. That's more like it, I think. Now, you mentioned there the, the spread of rugby league and Peter Volandis. Now, Bluey, I believe, has tremendous market penetration yes. in the United States. A, a market which has been, rugby league has failed over many attempts, Origin Games in LA, for instance, they've, they've failed. And here, Bluey, on Auntie, on the national broadcaster, on the old ABC, it's gone. Even though they don't have the TV rights, they've put Origin, they've, where Rugby League has failed for decades, the ABC has put Origin on the map in the United States. Who remembers England versus New Zealand and Denver? No one. But seriously, why Volandis is not in talks with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which let's face it, turns ninety years old this in week, a week, and saying we need to do we need to do Bluey as a, a five part mini series. Well, hang on, he just did say it in perpetuity. <laughs> We've got some audio of it. The Americans will lap it up, and then that's how they will find rugby league. Because what are they going to make of it? They're going to have no idea what they're talking about. Because they're not going to find it watching the current crop of players going around. Because we know, look at Origin. There's no hate, and it's too nice. Mm. Which I guess brings us to one other game, does it, Dennis? There was another game? There was. Are you, are you giving me... Are there steak knives as well? There's more! <laughs> what a weekend. What, what a weekend, weekend it's been. And, and here's me saying there's nothing to talk about during there's Origin. There's so much to talk about. And how was the game, Chris? Did, where were you? How did you watch the game? Okay, so we like to represent causes here on Fire Up, Dennis, mm. and we want people at the right time of life to make the appropriate decisions. Now, you might have seen during Origin 2 over at the Dishlicker Bowl, a.k.a. Optus Stadium, where former uh, presenter of the show, Stephen Ferris, was doing wonderful work, you know, dropping new order. And Posting pictures of himself. Earth, wind and fire, dot, dot, dot. Uh, there was a number of promotions for um, take advantage of the self-testing bowel cancer kit. Right. Right. I'm in that category where I'm already surpassed that. Mm. I'm, 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 I'm a regular for the colonoscopy. <sighs> right. And I didn't quite sync up my diaries appropriately. So it turns out that I booked in for a colonoscopy on the Monday following Origin <laughs> 2 on, on the Sunday. So uh, you, you drink three sachets. Sachet three kicked in during the game, can I tell you? But Hello. as there were revelations this morning that Angus Crichton, wearing the number 15 jersey, Passenger. W- yeah, woke up. Well, he woke up with a severe case of gastro. Did he? Vomiting and diarrhea to begin with. 
And then he was able to, he said, breakfast was sweet, but by the time lunch was on, I was just bringing it up. Couldn't keep water down. He actually played Origin with Gastro and <laughs> kept it hidden from Freddie because he still, I could still perform at a sufficiently optimum level. Well, your view on that? Passenger. Anyway, so, <laughs> but I actually felt that I mirrored his commitment yes. because at the periods of time where I found myself needing to absent myself from the big screen, I was prepared to maintain continuity of coverage to take in my phone and I didn't miss a second of origin no matter what context I was in during that rather wild evening, Dennis. Well, I think the nine-and-a-half-fingered man has actually, he has single-handed, I've called him a passenger and I'm taking it back. He has single-handedly changed the narrative of origin because that gastro bug, by the traditional narrative, that narrative arc begins on the Tuesday before the game yes. and it sweeps through the camp and it gives the media something to write about and it gives a, it gives a huge smokescreen to the opposition. But instead of making a smokescreen, he has taken into the game, taken one for the team, gone out there with the tummy bug and goodness knows what it would have done to him. And parked several tigers on the sideline as part of it. Which has he? He was parking tigers. Apparently, Cause, cause repeatedly he, during the game. Because in the dressing sheds, the, again, I use the word callow, the callow youth from Dubbo on and, Dubu. And he it, was parking tigers. And if this is true, and I read it in more than one media outlet, Dennis, yet again... One of the traditional like um, shooting gallery things in social media now is to criticise the Channel Nine commentary, the number of ads, et cetera, which we've et never done, right? Right, which, which we've never done because that's been a feature since, let's face it, nineteen eighty. But Channel Nine has let us down, given that they control the cameras in this particular instance. If we missed out on Angus Crichton putting his breakfast all over Optus Oval, because that human drama. Is what yes. people absolutely crave, particularly when the action's not so good. Crichton cam. Because it was like they were playing on an ice rink. I mean, it's... the Western Australians, I mean, they've been isolating from viruses and things like that. McGowan shut everything <laughs> and down. He's just you... pouring them out yeah. over the field. You can't put a decent pitch together for Origin. I mean, it was a terrible advertisement for the game. And at least seeing Ankus throw up would have given us something to talk about. Yeah, well, there was the double boy, like I said. What's his name? Burton. Burton. Burton let some go in the shed. Although I think it wasn't so much from a stomach bug, it was more. Uh, Nerds. Swallowing alcohol too quickly and he, his, had to release it. He his, was just full. His post-match interview was just sensational. It was constructed of every possible cliche you can imagine. Dream come true. Oh. So wonderful to do in front of my friends and the family. The, Great to the, be around the boys. I thought the family interview was fantastic. The questions they asked the family, they were such... They gave the family such an opening. So, how was it? Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> How'd you get here? Oh, here we flew over from Dubbo, eh? <laughs> so insightful. The good news is I did see recently, again, in the arts world, Dennis, the musical uh, Dubbo Championship Wrestling, which was a rollicking ride. Uh, was Matt Burton in it? No. Was his brother? No, was his but, sister? but Glenn McGrath was because Glenn. the running joke was who else has come out of Dubbo of Sporting Note other than Glenn McGrath? Well, I can now answer that question, Matt Burton. And his booming kick. Uh, well... Tommy Leroy Lars came from Dubbo. Uh, As I said, and, and I who apart from Glenn Alan McGrath? Tung, Alan Tung. No, he's Tamworth. Yeah. No, they're both Tamworth. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Point made. Wow. Um, now, speaking of country boys playing Origin, <clears throat> Liam Martin, who's been... <laughs> this was one of the biggest scandals, I believe, in rugby league history. Because there are... We lament the lack of grubs. The Volandis is taking the grub out of the game, and the grub is one of the greatest features of rugby league. And taking the grub out of rugby league is like taking the word league out of it and making it into rugby. Step up, Aaron Shop. Ex well, exactly. But 
he wasn't playing Origin. So they've had, and I'm going to use this word, confected. They've confected a grub out of Liam, Liam Martin, a sweet boy. I believe he's from Bathurst, Pat. Where's Liam from? He's a good, honest country boy. He, he has that country accent, and he's just sweet and gentle and kind. And his mum was banned from social media because his mum just didn't understand it. He's not a grub. She was defending her son, and as a social media descended to such murky depths that a parent can't now defend their child, it's just outrageous. Tamora. Tamora oh, from the Tamora Dragons. Do you know who else is from Tamora? T-Baz. Oh, wow. He's, uh, Uncle T-Baz. Uncle T-Baz. Uncle T-Baz, right? that, that, now, Uncle the, T-Baz, you can say a lot noticed. about T-Baz, but he was never a grub. No. And no. Liam Martin is not a grub. And it's so infects that when there was a Prowler-style tackle charge being laid towards the end of the game and Martin was involved in the tackle, I immediately assumed he was it, but of course it was Damien Cook. It was nothing to do and with him. just leave the kid alone. He was just there with his skin was clean. And leave Mrs. Martin alone. Absolutely leave Mrs. Martin alone. And the word was, he was the ungrubbiest grub that ever grubbed in rugby league. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Now then on to, speaking of grubs, let's go on to... Jake. Yes. Jake. Now, Jake's not a grub. Jake, well, or is he? Is there something, is there something underneath the surface there? Because, Jake, we know that right now he's, he's cooking the barbecue for the boys, the under-9s training somewhere on the northern beaches. And he's, put, he's flipping the sausages. He's putting out the training cones. It's all he ever does. Well, listen to the, the intemperate words of Jake Trevojevich in the aftermath of having won Origin 2. For as tough as Origin is, you had a lot of possession, but you earned it, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. It was nice, you know. It was, um, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves, but as you said, we did earn it, and we played really well. We defended well, which was it was nice, yeah. I don't know, just looking around, there's a lot of good guys, a lot of guys you know, with a lot of confidence, and it's, it's nice to see in camp. It's good to play with Appy again. You know, I played with him at Manly four or five years ago, so it was, um, yeah, it was really nice. It was just a really enjoyable week. And... I know you love your footy and you love your family, so did anyone come over here to Perth to support you? Yeah, yeah. Um, my mum, my dad, uh, my partner Alex, and our family friend Matt. So it was, um, yeah, it was really, it was really nice, really nice night. They love, love coming. They always support me, and um, yeah, it was cool. Can you can see Peter Volandi's problem, the Rugby League's problem, Channel Nine's problem. If the sound grabs they've got going forward is come watch Origin Three, it's really nice. Yeah, right. And Travoya bitches, I either think that the Travoya bitches have done something actually heinous in mm. their youth, and when it comes to light they put as much good stuff in the karma bank as possible to get or, forgiven yeah or they're running for political office mm. and the hagiography if i can use that <laughs> word of jake travoyich continued via the um willing pen of uh danny weidler on the weekend where from rita peter i just love like they're not uh, any better identified than rita peter said the following my daughter worked worked at a sponsor's function dinner for the winning blue side a few years ago all the Blues players and staff were very courteous, respectful, and friendly. After the function was finished and just the staff were in the function room cleaning up, two of the Blues made a point of returning to the room to thank the staff personally. Have a guess, oh, Dennis. don't tell me. Jake and Tom. Of course it was. No fanfare, no press, well, apart from this. No photos, only them and some grateful young staff. I'm sure their parents would be proud. You know what that is? That's really nice. It's so nice, the beatification of Jake Travoyevich. And someone else is trying to be nice. Now, he has been a bad boy in the past. He's been a bit arrogant, a bit aggressive. He's had this moustache, and he did... 
he did layer up a little bit when he before he put the ball down in scoring a try in the game. He, but he has there's just something about him that's a little bit annoying. He's not quite a grub yet. He's working his way up there, but he's trying to be nice. He's been inspired by the Trebojevic's, and he's trying to be nice. But during the week before the game, he had a press conference. Now, I'm talking about, of course, Cam Munster, the new Cam. And Cam, he came out and he said, yeah, I was a little bit sleepy in the first half, so I had to pull my finger out. And then he made this claim that he'd been given a license to thrill. The Maroons gave you a new license to thrill. Oh, I'm just going to stick to my strengths and just play calm footy. Play your game in your way. Feel the chill. I was obviously a little bit quiet there in the first half. Decided to pull my finger out in the second half. In the first half of game one, you were quiet. Nothing to sing about You had more fun In the second half You pulled your finger Choice for you is license to thrill. You changed your ways. You were heading for a spill. I know I've got a lot of people down, and I'll do whatever it takes to restore them to faith in me. This time last year, you were caught up on the table. Press conference tears. You cleaned your game, you gave the grog away. I want all the kids out there tonight and my behaviour was not okay. You shaved your tash, got new romantic hair. You gave up the monster mash instead of dancing on the table. You're nice and clean, that's all you Give your team the Queensland dream Don't dance up on the table Cause all you need is a license to thrill Oh, I don't know if I want a license for the whole game My lungs might be burning So that leads us to the actual match Where Cam's come in with a license to thrill And wasn't it thrilling? Did you see Cam thrill the crowd, Chris? Well, momentarily, though, it was amazing to hear the New South Wales chant come through the audio so clearly. And what is it about Queensland that has so alienated Western Australians? Is there a Palaszczuk McGowan thing going on here? I, I couldn't quite get to the genesis of that. I don't know. Do Queenslanders not travel? Was, were Queensland banned more than New South Wales? I don't know. Anyway, it was good to hear. Um, but what was your question? The game. The game itself. 
But the game is almost an afterthought, right? Yeah. Like, we can't come up with any pithy insights particularly because it's forensically pulled apart by everybody both before, during and after. Who actually know about football. And groupthink has come to such a point, Dennis, mm-hmm. that if you looked at the player ratings in the Daily Astonisher and in the Sydney Morning Herald... What, what uh, Jobo? Yeah. Home of Helen Pitt. Um, Jobo was about a solid eight. Mm-hmm. The ratings were almost identical across the two papers, right? So, do you think they colluded? Well, have a guess what the headline in both papers was to describe Origin Two. Oh, well, it was in Perth. Uh, Perthquake. Yes, and I thought there was some agreement amongst our mastheads that we don't go for the same pun in the same context that once once one's done it the other one changes but they're, they're meant to be in competition they both say Perthquake and they both come up with the same player rating couldn't one of them come out and say New South Wales are the Perth snatchers so so we, so we could bore you with analysis about New South Wales improving the ruck speed mm. and uh, the in, the Herculean efforts of their back three and the exposure of the and how nice Jake Trebojevic how nice was. Jake Trebojevic is there wasn't Huge amounts that came out of the game that hasn't been said repeatedly. I will take one thing that I saw. I think I hasten to add off a betting sites uh, post on Facebook about the game. Yes. Uh, the commentators struggle to understand why the numbers are on the sleeve of the Queenslanders where the four X's traditionally appear. Mm. Matt Thompson, who I did believe called the game, Pat, is that correct? It was Matt Thompson. He was, you know, said it was something about where you're from and whatever. And Cameron Smith had it. Sorry. Cameron Smith, striding both assistant coach and commentator, said oh, that's the junior rugby league postcode that they played for. It's where their junior club So was. that is a direct slap against me. That is saying, uh-uh-uh, you're wrong. These are the postcodes. And I did notice that they, they had on the Channel 9 coverage that uh, Caelan Ponger is the second player from Western Australia to play State of That's Origin. Right. <laughs> Hello, you've got that on there at the same time as you're trying to put a four in front of his home postcode. Hello, Caelan. How was it playing golf for New Zealand, Caelan? <laughs> yeah, so it was it was called the Carnahan Initiative. And, <laughs> the anti-Carnahan and Initiative. And it was pointed out, Harry Grant, unfortunately, had 4412, which, of course, oh, 44 prescient. 12. Very prescient. Very prescient. Mm. Uh, I made one observation that, again, someone else has shared, but it's something I felt for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that is is that Daniel Tupo is the Charles Bronson of rugby league. Is he in, in, in that he has no expression on his face? Absolutely. So I actually read an emotionless? article. I actually read an article recently about the rise and um, then decline of Charles Bronson's acting career. The apotheosis, of course, with Death Wish. Who can forget it? Um, and when you read the plot of Death Wish, I go, wow, I had no idea that's what it's about. But I remember as a child... <laughs> Mad Magazine putting in a full page of the same photo of the expressionless Charles Bronson and they go, the many, many faces of Charles Bronson. (laughs) And I saw this replicated with Daniel Tupu and I agree with this. I remember being out in the pouring rain at the old Sydney football stadium or Allianz as I used to like to refer to it, Dennis, and the Roosters absolutely touched up the Tigers. Tupu scored four tries. Four, count them. One, two, three, four. The guy never cracks a smile. There's no layering up? There's no layering up. This is this is the problem. Is but, he just a cold, hard killer like Charles Bronson? Right, we get a he... half-hearted point to the stadium from Cameron Munster in the first half, and we saw how well that went for I him. Was so, I was so convinced that Matt Burton was going to do exactly what he did to Mitchell Moses, and I was so hoping that he would that it is a... We've we got Jake Trevoyeva saying it was really nice out it there. It was nice. We've got Matt Burton thanking his family for making the long trek across the Nullarbor. And then we've got Tupu, who, let's face it, had a blinder, 
put all the naysayers like me to rest in terms of that Josh Adokar mm. should have been in the team. Though I do notice that they are making selections about guys who are good around the joint. Around the joint. Yeah. Yep. Mal Meninga has highlighted that Josh Adokar is good around the joint and may well get a kangaroo selection. Tupu might miss out because he's not happy enough. See, I'm wondering about this around the joint business because you find a lot of, a lot of quicker men. For instance, uh, Ryan Pappenhuysen. Mm. Um, he has a problem with his knee joint. Mm. And he's had to have reconstructions. Teddy Tedesco had to have several. Ted, uh, Fittler, Freddie Fittler, never had knee and ankle problems. His joints were strong. Is that what he's looking for? He's looking for guys who are good around the joint so that there's good, plenty of flesh around there. There's no torn tendons and ligaments. Hence, Victor Radley got a Guernsey, even though he still hadn't actually played any first-grade football since his last injury. Mm. He was ready to go against Parramatta, but he was held back. His you know, joints are good. They could have used him. So he went across... Because he's great around the joint. And no greater evidence than um, a rather amusing moment captured between him and Joey Sawali. Yeah. I think maybe after the game, the game yeah. where um, what's been described in the press as a crude gesture was well, captured. Well, I, I think Joey Sawali was a little bit tense and he wanted some sort of relief, release. And, and this is what the guys who are good around the joint are good for. A bit of release. A bit of release. A bit of That's relief. beautiful. A bit of jocularity. A bit of jocularity. Now, the hot topic though, Dennis. We are, we're, we're ignoring the elephant in the room. Yes, we are. The elephant in the room. Obviously, a lot has been talked about the sin binning. Mm. And, and friend of the show, and I'm going to call him friend of the show, Ash, because Ash, last year during Rugby League the Musical's online show, he was actually commenting a hell of a lot. Ash was, was watching it. And Ash, congratulations, Ash. What a marvellous game you had. But yes, there was a sin binning. Now, Ash, you are the best referee in rugby league, apparently. But there's been controversy about the sin binning, not so much for the sin binning, but more about how much they're being handed out. And Gus Gould has come out, and I saw this article where he he said he, he must have said this. I didn't I didn't see the post match coverage. I was too involved in in going through the uh, the Cadbury favourites because this is a tradition for in our for state of origin is that in the 67th minute, that's when you open the favourites because in the 67th minute of the the series that New South Wales won for the first time in nine years, the International Space Station had flown over. We had lasagna and Beck didn't say whether the lasagna had nutmeg or not. So now she can never reveal whether she's putting nutmeg in the lasagna, but she has to cook lasagna. And the fantails come out at the 67th minute and it's controversy. New South Wales will lose if they don't. Out they came at the 67th minute. We're still going through them, so we missed Gus Gould. But Gus Gould wasn't talking about favourites. He was saying that these days they hand out sin binnings like smarties. I hate to correct you, Dennis, but I'm going to. My understanding was he was referring to six agains. Six agains? That the six agains are being handed out like smarties. Six agains being handed out like smarties. Yeah, and so Queensland, who, let's face it, were on the rack... Mm. were repeatedly infringing. They were found to be offside. Right in the middle of it, there was an escort by Valentine Holmes. Escorts, release, relief. That's, that's right. Hello, Ray Warren. And look, it's hard to not see that it was deliberate because basically, basically he uh, cocked a bit of a snook, didn't he, Valentine Holmes? He had a look yeah, and lined yep, up yep, where yep. Tupu was going to be. And he said, I need to be in the exact line of sight where that unsmiling assassin is going to be. Under the, that is, on that vector. Yeah, I've got, to, I've got to do the Bronson interception, which has cut uh, Tupu off. And then, of course, we got the... I know Junior Barlow had an absolutely stonking game compared to his first game. Didn't he? You wouldn't think he played for Parramatta. The no, no, no. He's almost a reason to like the Parramatta. <laughs> and uh, he was being held up at the line. And then in amongst the, the, the ruck... Felice Kafusi sort of descended like I guess they ultimately would like to see a roof on Acor Stadium. Mm. And he just encapsulated 
poor old Barlow, and actually wedged his head between his knees, which now, sounds I like need, a Radley thing I to do. I need to talk to talk to you about this because I recall we we used to, on Sunday mornings in the Carnahan household after World Championship Wrestling was on. We would go to the front hall and we would replicate what we saw. And there was a famous move where you'd get your opponent's head between your legs and you'd jump up and down. Yes. And it was called the possum stomp. Right. Now, what I saw was Felice Cafusi doing the possum stomp on poor old Bolo. I don't want to reel too much, but he is in talks with Pro Wrestling Australia. But yes, the stomp was brought out and Klein had no choice because he'd been warning them. And he said, It'll, you'll go, you'll go. They well, weren't listening. Went. And this, and this, the gas idea that these infringements are being handled out like smarties raises two things for me. What do you want? No send-offs and no sin bins in origin. You want every rule thrown out. So Peter Volandis is probably considering that right now as we speak. Mm. But the other thing is there's something beautifully locked in time. by And Roundtree's, I think, is long gone. It's been soaked up by a Cadbury or some conglomerate yep. or whatever. But they were the Roundtree smarties. Mm. They were a magnificent part of my childhood. I'm sure they were part of your childhood oh, yeah. as well. That's, that's why I'm so upset by this. But then M&M's came in, Dennis. Mm. And where do you stand on one of the great metaphysical issues that came out of Origin 2, which is not where the sin bin should be retained or where the six agains are being handed out too frequently. What's better, Smarties or M&M's? I'm straight for Smarties. Now, it is nostalgia. I know that the, the M&M's, the, the colour allegedly doesn't come off. They have a higher melting point on that, on that sugar. Um, and so th- that was their campaign, the chocolate melts in your mouth, not your hands. Well, I-, I want that chocolate on my hands. If I'm eating Smarties, I want to have colour on my hands so I can say to the world, look at my hands, I've been eating Smarties, and you haven't. Which gets to, to the point that really upsets me. Where are they handing out Smarties? <laughs> Gus, where are these Smarties being handed out? If they're giving out six against all the time, I want those Smarties! Where's Gus with his Smarties? Give me some Smarties, Gus. I never found Smarties were handed out. I felt you had no. to earn them. You had to you implore had to your parents. Uh, you had to maybe forfeit some of your own pocket money in yes. exchange for said Smarties. Having what said, what world is this man living in? Having said that, M and M's are actually delicious, and they've got varieties, Dennis. They oh, do. there's peanuts. Oh, there's, there's all that sort of stuff. All but all it's the Americanization <laughs> again. Sure, and and I'm, I'm hitting things, and things are falling apart. And there's there's the you know uh, was it the Guns and Roses anecdote? No, or the Led Zeppelin anecdote about you know? I oh, know it was a Van Halen. All the brown Smarties were taken out. Whatever M and M's. But the main thing about M&M's, you'd never call them just nice, Dennis. And I feel that Smarties are nice. And Smarties, Smarties are, are nice. It's part of the problem. That the lack of hate in origin is defined by Daniel Tupo, Jake Travojevic, and Smarties. Well, look, I'm getting a bit too fired up here, Chris. So t- to calm me down, have you got any Arara Valley axes to grind? Tell you what, Dennis, it is a fairly slow news week in rugby league when Origin is on. Not much else happens. There's been a little bit of uh, coaching merry-go-round and the like, but none more so than what's been happening with good old slamming Sammy Burgess. So you across this? Yes, I've seen this. There's, there's a lot going on with Sammy. So there's apparently a contest for his talents between his spiritual home in Australian Rugby League, which, of course, is the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Mm-hmm. And they've gone the private school route by getting Cam Murray to be the spokesman of the Rabbits. They said Demetrius is probably not the right person to do it. Uh, and, you know, brother Tom, you know, horribly conflicted and all this. So Cam Murray goes, Sam, we want you. But via the agency of a new podcast, and we welcome another Rugby League podcast to the family. There's not enough. Dennis, there's not enough. 
It's James Graham's The Buy Round. Yes. It's an interesting concept for the title. I mean, I mm. put fire up against The Buy Round, but I love Jimmy Graham. And he's put the concept, or sort of the idea, the talk to Sam Burgess that maybe Wayne wants Sam up at the Redcliffe Dolphins. Mm. They have worked together before. They have. And this is Sam's reply. It is appetizing. I mean, the guy likes to eat. Um, and do you have some Smarties, he said to James Graham. And he says, look, I'm not just handing them out like Smarties. You've got to buy them. Uh, he goes, Sam goes, I've worked with Wayne for a long time with England and at South. You know how much of a great man he is. So as a young, aspiring coach, it is appetizing. Also, what I like about it too is it is not another NRL, it is not another NRL club. So... Is it possible that Wayne is seducing Sam and not revealing that the Dolphins will be in the NRL come 2023? Is that, is that part of his... Are you suggesting his... Sam is a sufficiently callow young man that <laughs> doesn't even know? Well, he said he's a young, hungry coach. Yeah. He didn't say he was a well-informed coach. So it disturbs me that, that Wayne Bennett might be distorting the truth because my view of the great man is he's never, ever told a lie, right? So Wayne. my axes to grind are, first of all, is Wayne Bennett lying to Sam Burgess? And if so, stop it. Mm. And secondly, who is thinking about the Axemen and all this, Dennis? Well, that's, that's, that's a very good point because if you're not going to coach an NRL club, what's the difference coaching the non-NRL Dolphins and the non-NRL Axemen? Right. So They're he, the same level. So if you want to be a young aspiring coach and you want to earn your spurs, stick with the Axemen, Sam. Stay Don't with the Axemen. Stay with them. And I feel so passionately about this mm -hmm. to support the Axemen, who we've, you know, rode on the coattails of this podcast season. I've bought a ticket in their current fundraising lottery, Dennis, a $200 ticket. I think it's called the $200 bond or something like that. What a lovely gesture. Thank you. And you can buy them at Arara Valley Axemen, nrlf.com.au. NRL? Yep. That's what it says to me. Or maybe maybe I've left a C off of that. I think it might be nrlfc.com.au. Right. Now, these tickets for $200 each, the first prize is $5,000 and there are three other cash prizes under it. It's basically they raise 20000 return ten, so it's 10000 into the coffers of the Axemen. And Lord knows they'll need it if they lose Sam Burgess. The, maybe they need to keep him. Maybe that's what this is about. The raffle is drawn on the 31st of July, and um, I'm going to put that ticket up to a lucky fire-up listener. Are you? Who comes up with a pitch as to how best we can keep Sam Burgess at the Arara Valley Axeman. Right, so where would people post their submissions for this? They're welcome to post them on the Fire Up page, but also why not sign up to Blowing Up Deluxe where most of the chat and the banter and the Axeman gossip is mm -hmm. and tell us over the next couple of weeks of how Sam can be retained by the Axeman and so that this particular axe can be unground. Let's go, Axeman. Yo, let's go! <laughs> let's go, let's go! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my Arara Valley axe to grind. Well, you've ground that one beautifully, and it is indeed Arara Valley Axeman RLFC. It's it's the, the N is with, is with the men. It's right. not Arara Valley Axeman RLFC. It's Arara Valley Axeman RLFC.com.au. That's it. And so if you want to buy your own ticket, go ahead and do it. Absolutely. Otherwise, enter the competition. Tell us the best way to keep Sam at the Arara Valley Axeman. Um, now, after the game. The aftermath. Mm. First thing did you notice when they went to the panel, mm -hmm. and I think it was when Gus was on the panel, there was a pitch invader yep. 
running behind with security chasing them on the other side of the dish now, liquor. Now, I'm just oval. noticing you said pitch invader. Were they clothes? Yeah, they were fully clothed. <sighs> Looked like a bloke from the distance. There was a little bit of amusement. Fatty Vorton loved it. Like, turned around, had a look. I did see Fatty look. have a look. He was very happy with it. This occurred at 10.02 Eastern Coast time. Eastern Standard Time. Right, after the game. Yeah, so I have a feeling that that was either a New South Wales or a Queensland supporter said, my dream, a little bit like that pitch invader who went on to the Gold Coast Titans game, my dream is to be a pitch invader during an Origin game, but got the timing Uh, wrong. He saw that Channel 9 said it's 7.51 kickoff, and he's gone, it's 8.02. I'm on, but he's got the wrong clock. (laughs) He needs to go to the Rugby League School of Mathematics to learn how uh, how time works. Um, I did notice that, and I did notice also the security guards chasing him because apparently now the edict is, since the person being smashed on the Gold Coast, um, they're concerned about lawsuits. And so the, it's now the object is to corral them yeah. away from the players and to capture them without belting the crap That's out right. They don't want them to be tackled. They just want them to be subtly tased. Well, that hasn't made it to Perth because they certainly... <laughs> had, they certainly That's why they call it a Perthquake, Dennis. A Perthquake! That was a Perthquake. And what else do we have? We, I did notice after the game that... Um, friend of you, not friend of this show, but Teddy Tedesco, with those tremendous teeth, a lot of teeth on Teddy, and also with with shorts staying up. Um, what did he say? Did you hear his quote about why the Blues won? So, Teddy, there was a lot of discussion about why the shorts were coming down in the lead up, Dennis. Yep. And and Teddy goes, it's a, a mystery to me. Because he's got... The game can, commences for the usual fee plus expenses. Is yeah, because he, he goes, I wear shorts. Yes, he does. Plus my BSC skins, which are compression shorts, plus the Ooh. budgie smugglers. Okay, so they're not actually BSC skins because BSC is a brand of skins. Did he say BSC skins? That's what it says here. <laughs> that's, that's like saying I'm using my um, Dyson Hoover. <laughs> it's Teddy. I don't really tie up the shorts because everything beneath keeps things tight. Everything beneath. Yes. So keeps th- things, things is nice and general. Sometimes I feel like I bounce off tackles and people grab whatever they can grab on too. And so maybe if things are kept tight down there, they're not. They're, they're, certain wheels are not being grabbed. Because there is that famous shot of um, uh, Cleary, the, the younger one, I always get them mixed up, tackling Jackie Boy Whiten. And he's reaching around from behind. He has a good handful of Jackie Boy's tackle. And when that photo came to light that his hands were around the the gear that was all being kept tight by the skins. Um, Nathan posted that on Instagram and said, nice package, Jackie boy. <laughs> so people are grabbing at Teddy's package. Yeah. Well, anyway, so they can't get to the package, so they're grabbing the shorts. And I think uh, that he made the appropriate adjustments. And if you notice that Felice Cafusi, who scored the first try after mm. questionable pass from Kalen Ponga, he was slightly pantsed. Yeah. And it seems that the team that keeps their shorts on Wins origin. There's a very direct correlation there. Keeping your pants on wins origin. Because I did notice in the Papua New Guinea game, some pants came off. And it was a Papua New Guinea player who lost the pants. And there was a second instance where a Papua New Guinea player was lifted by the bottom back legs of his shorts to such an extent that on the big screen, there was a very clear atomic wedgie. This guy's shorts were made into... You could see both cheeks, both buttock cheeks so clearly with the red line up the middle. It was quite spectacular. International football, Dennis, different rules Has apply. Has a different rule. You can be pantsed so and be triumphant. if you get pantsed, you can win international yeah. football. And what else do we have? There's another time travelling issue as well in the game. So we've got the East Coast man who's got mixed up with the clock. It's been a happy game for Felice Cafusi. He was 
Panston scoring a try, which yep. led to the ultimate demise of the Maroons, and he, as we described before, as a result of six against being handed out like confectionery, yep. was put in the bin. But the eagle-eyed amongst us noticed that if you looked at the time remaining in the first half, when New South Wales rolled the dice and scored a try to Bryant To'o, yep. which you know was one of several turning points, because every origin has several turning points. Yeah. Origin moments. And I the time he returned to the field didn't seem to add up to 10 minutes of game time. And it seems that rugby league has the ability to bend time, Dennis. There is an anomaly in the time-space continuum when it comes to rugby league. Now, I've seen lots of articles about this, and there is an explanation which Kenty, friend of the show, Paul Kent, has described as being like something out of the 1950s, that there are three clocks the rugby league university has three consecutive clocks which are not synchronized there's the game clock held by the timekeeper who's the actual timekeeper then there's the scoreboard clock then there's the tv clock none of these are synchronized and so this is why sirens sometimes go off at the wrong time this is why in game one for instance um ash Kleine, the, the cab driver blew the site blew the whistle when the clock on the wall said there's still several seconds to go and New South Wales were feeling ripped off, but the clock on the wall wasn't synchronised to the game clock. Why don't we just have one source of information? Is this Volandis or is this pre-Volandis? Well, I mean, he wants to change the games and start them earlier for the kiddies. The kiddies have got bluey, right? They don't need an earlier start. Can the adults just get something still just for them? Can we keep origin at the time that it's meant to occur? But he's looking for change for change's sake. Here's something actually Sir Peter could do that would actually help, which is reduce all the various timepieces to one central chronometer. Put rugby league on a single timeline moving forward. But one fan did, of course, do what one should do when these issues occur. His name was Steve at Speculator64 on Twitter. And he goes, how does Kafusi get sent to the bin 38-37 in the first half and comes back on 47-25 and a hands in the air, I don't understand it emoji. And he sent it to no greater a uh, observer of the game than Buzz Rothfield. And Rothfield comes back and goes, mate, I'm not a timekeeper. Now... <laughs> I actually, it's, it's, we, we change the word time lord. So there are, obviously, there are different time lords working within the game. Well, he probably said, mate, I'm not a timekeeper. But can I simply say to Buzz, learn the lesson of Scott Morrison, who said, mate, I don't hold a hose. <laughs> Buzz, if you don't, if you don't get job. on top of this time issue, yep. my friend, you might be going out the uh, back door. Now, a dear friend who I've, I've sung about because I love him so much, Cameron Munster. Yes. Um, he's been hit a couple of times. He was hit by a, a bit of a dog shot by Stephen Crichton, who if they're looking for a grub, Stephen Crichton will be the grub that Queensland should be looking for. And of course, I can't forgive him for his layering up when he's playing against the Raiders and he's trying to give Jackie Boy a shove. Bit of a mug lair. But he came in and he hammered poor old Cam in the shoulder. So he's got uh, issues with his shoulder at the moment? So Munster's struggling and you've already um, highlighted him, but he's such a lightning rod for... Queensland and their origin tilt. Hence he plays for the Storm. And we're looking for the intersection between art and rugby mm. league and as we had and we really enjoyed having Helen Pitt from the Herald on the show last week and encourage people to go back and listen to that episode if they haven't. But we discussed how Roy Masters says to understand Cameron Muster you need to go to a training session and read Gustave Flaubert mm. saying Madame Bovary is a almost a reference text here and Munster is more artist than sports person. And so it's unsurprising that we've both found musical references that relate to Munster. You wrote a song. I just picked one out of my Spotify list. 
And it relates to an interview that Munster gave a couple of years ago off the back of the surprise Queensland victory in Origin 2020 under the agency or via the agency of that great Wayne Bennett stop lying to poor old Sammy Burgess. He was doing an interview on the Matty John show, Morning Glory on SEN Radio. Uh, Harry Grant was being interviewed and Cooper was in the studio with his father. And Harry handed the phone to Munster, who was asked to explain what he goes through his mind when he's playing. And he goes, you know, when a monkey is clapping those little, what do you call them? Symbols? Yeah, yeah, symbols. That's how I'm thinking. That's me to a T. Cameron Munster is a monkey with miniature symbols. Listeners, what goes through that mind? Um, you know when a monkey is cutting against like those little um, <laughs> symbols. <laughs> symbols. That's, that's how I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. Attention all staff on on floor 1 to 9. An evacuation exercise is about to commence. I'm assuming this is just an exercise and not an actual evacuation. Before evacuating the floor. Thank you. Well, if we're on fire or about to blow up, you and I are going to die. Do we go or we finish the podcast? We'll finish well, the no, podcast. It's, it's a, it's a, it's it's a drill. drill. You think it's a drill, it's a drill. do you? Well, how it's come his voice comes through into here? I don't know. Are we going to keep it? Might in the might be podcast? serious. It Maybe might, we can. It might be serious. No, he said it's an evacuation exercise, not evacuate now. Well, as if anyone's going to respond to that. <laughs> and that was the latest instalment of the life and times of Gus Gould. The vast majority of it, 99% of it, the, the innovation in the game and broadcasting has been brought on by Channel 9. <laughs> I've been covering football for four decades and I did not understand it. Well, Emma Tonegato, it's fast and physical. What do you make of that first off? Yeah, it was good out there. Heaps of fun. Glad to be out here, but yeah, it's fucking tough out there. Um, sorry, I'm so in the game. I think a few people would have heard that already, but that was, that was Emma Tonegato after the origin game on friday mm-hmm. and fellas i'm gonna play my cards face up this week again it was tough it was tough going this week <laughs> <laughs> i I love the rep round 
I loved the particularly uh, New Zealand Tonga. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the work of Dale Husband, but I um, sunk a couple of hours into him this morning, which didn't pan out. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so we start with the pre-mat, the the lead up to the match. So Cameron Munster was on 360 during the week. This is what he said. And I know Felice, he's a family man and he's one of the most generous people you meet off the field, so. Now, to me, it sounds like he was saying one of the most genitals men. Yes. Which ordinarily you would just leave it, and, you know, think nothing of it. But he had this at the end of that um, interview. Um, we've obviously had our, our fair share of um, tits and tats for each other, so. That can't be. That's got to be. So he's That's got to be on purpose. Is that saying that he's got tattoos of Felice on his tits? But I don't is know that... what tits are. It's just, he, he's a man who appreciates the carnal delights as I'm sure Flaubert did <laughs> and you just see the richness of the yeah. character of Cameron Munster because in that interview when he was initially asked about Felice his first comment was oh he's a grub yeah it <laughs> yeah. was an initial yeah. reaction so as you can tell I've been reaching I had to go everywhere I thought last week was a bit of fun uh going through Matty Johns and his arts I was like maybe there'll be something in that world so I just click on a random a random Matty Johns episode and this is Webby talking. There's a sentence yeah, I, I didn't know. think... I don't think that's ever been said in the history of the world. I was beaten up by a Phil Collins fan. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, so we got something new on Matty Johns. Something that's never been said before. So I took a listen to a few episodes to see if I could find that. Um, yeah, we're talking about... At Cessnock, no one danced to the Blue Light Disco. Everyone just walked. Webby... I'm I'm back at a blue light disco in Cessnock, walking around mm. symmetrical location. That's what you said. No one danced at Cessnock. Everyone just walked in a whirlpool <laughs> location. Okay, blue light discos in yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. Did you did people dance or did, or was it like a whirlpool? Told me the other day I got beaten up by two older guys. I was in a midnight all shirt, and unfortunately they were in Phil Collins shirts. They went up and said, "What's that shirt?" And I had a US Forces ten to one shirt, which was big at the time, midnight oil. And I went to Midnight Oil, and they said, we hate Midnight Oil. And they had Genesis shirts on, and they proceeded to take me out and give me a bit of a beat-up. Yeah, so Cessna Blue Light Discos, there'd be angry mobs wandering around, and if you started dancing, if I doubled down and danced to a band like Genesis, you were really beaten up. <laughs> Actually, I got beaten up once. I was wearing a 10 to 1 Midnight Oil shirt by, like, these Phil Collins fans. They were wearing, they were wearing Invisible Touch T-shirts, and they went, what's that? And I said, they went, we hate Peter Garrett. And, Started hitting me, and they're much older than I was. You were beat. There's a sentence yeah, I, I didn't can't. think. I don't think that's ever been said in the history of the world. I was beaten up by a Phil Collins fan. So I don't want to fact check Webby, but it has actually been said a few times. It does. Wow. It, 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 what it says to me is that is Matty Johns the Peter Fitzsimons of podcasters, <laughs> just going to the well for many things. And of course, it does make me want to say two things. One is uh, in American Psycho, the protagonist is a massive Phil Collins fan, though it's argued whether all the Grizzly murders are just occurring in his head or not. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I went and saw Steve Hackett at the Enmore Theatre last week. Did you? And I ran into a mate of mine who said, I went to a concert on Wednesday at the Enmore Theatre. It was a sea of old men. And I said, that was me. I was in you know, the third front row. And he goes, people kept talking about Phil Collins. I said, yeah, yeah. Steve Hackett was in the band with Phil Collins and they had no hits while he was in the band. Mm. And he goes, that would explain why I didn't recognise any of the songs. Was, was it like a whirlpool? <laughs> I tell you what, if anyone turned up in an invisible touch from later period pop genesis, they would have been beaten up by been the Midnight Oil fans. Right. But also, I'm thinking about Matty Johns in that, that he's 
it's reminding me of the Sex Pistols. They basically had the same album, the same twelve songs, and they released it on four different record companies, and you know, even with the names like Flogging Flog a Dead, dead Horse, because it was the same song. <laughs> Matty Johns is Flogging a Dead Horse. So that takes us to the state of origin, the men's game on the Sunday. One of the big uh, phenomenons in, in social media is that when you have to watch Channel Nine, people all of a sudden hail how good Fox Sports is, <laughs> and I've. I've actually worked in a, in a few different sports, and what I'll tell you is that everyone dislikes their own commentators. So people saying that Channel Nine is just because just because it's the ones that are not there. Every single sport doesn't like their. Car. I would watch uh, NBA for the first time ever, and there'd be someone else in the room like groaning, like, "Oh, it's you know whoever." So everyone hates the commentary, right? So I jumped in. I watched the replay of the of the Fox Sports one to see what is going on in the commentary. And I was actually surprised, you know, we have noticed that Ennis can be a little bit overbearing talking, talking over other people. And I was actually uh, excited. He, he, he said this. Sorry, was I latched on you there. That was a great moment. So it's, he, like, I, sounds like he's letting was talk. You know? But that's not true. What happened was, in celebrating the try, he's actually knocked Warren Smith over. <laughs> Can we send the HIA doctor up to the commentary box because Warren Smith is on concussion protocols because Michael Ennis has just jumped out of his chair and taken out our number one man as Nathan Cleary has... <laughs> He's taken that overbearingness to, to a new level. He's made it physical. Yeah. And this is the last one. Uh, in going around doing the podcast, I listened to Gus, Six Tackles with Gus. Mm-hmm. And of course, they do Gus's trivia. Yep. Yes. And sometimes the questions are a bit hard to get. Um, but Gus had this to say. I'll know it as soon as you say it. You will. I'll know the answer as soon as you say it. I get it. Yep. That's how you get informed. That's how you learn. By yeah. knowing it as soon as someone says Once it. Someone, <laughs> so when someone yep. tells me, then I know it forever. Yep. yep. I walk into the change rooms there. I've got 47 texts. I never turn my phone on after the game, but I thought, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong in what I was thinking tonight. 47 texts. Every one of those texts agreed with every fan out there and everything I believe in. So Chris and I were very excited when we convened today. We got a Texas from Matt Sutcliffe via Blowing Up Deluxe. Right. So you know last week how we spent an hour and a half talking about there's no movies in rugby league? Mm-hmm. Did any of us bother to check that? Well, <laughs> we, we highlighted were, a few. We, we highlighted a few movies in rugby league. Anyway, so Matt messaged us. A friend of his made a movie and that, that friend is called um, George Alex Nagel called Mate, which is a down-and-out has-been attempts to reconnect with an impressionable teenager over a weekend in Western Sydney. And this includes going to a Panthers game where the Cowboys' head of media must have been there because apparently it features the phrase, Michael Luck the Storm. (laughs) (laughs) And his review of it, so he watched this on Wednesday before going to Origin. And as part of the festival, right? Part of the festival, open yeah. for... Part of the Origin Festival. <laughs> Sydney Film Festival. Double feature with Emily the Criminal. His review was it was that it had the monocles and powdered wigs chuckling into their spritzes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know how the booking of it works. There's no screenings uh, currently, but I guess we'll put that top of our... To list to go out and see that. We're in to see it, and it was Matt Sutcliffe, was it? Matt Sutcliffe, yeah. In any relation? Uh, well, I would asked. imagine so. And in, in honour of that, I'm actually heading out to Penrith Park to see them take on the Chooks this Friday. Are you? Because I've never watched a game. Where are you yet. sitting? In the stands where I bought my tickets. East or west? I have no idea. 
I watched Pat, uh, Preston Campbell run length of the field against Souths one year, and he got there. No one was chasing him, and he ran laps of the posts before he scored. So would that have been credited? No, I'd forget that. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd be able to use a bit of the um, pi r squared to work out his... Uh, well, well two, two, you, know, two, ba- two you know running back, if you get forced backwards, that doesn't affect your meters? No. There's no negative. Yeah. No, no, no. So, Even in post-contact. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you've got... That's absurd. Po- two pi r is what I'm asking. And also the meters... That's the area. If you want to cover the area. And the meters are for where you catch the ball, around. not from the play the ball or the advantage line. Mm. So if you throw the ball 30 metres backwards and run 20 metres forwards, you get 20 metres. Even though you're still 10 metres behind where the play the ball was. Yeah. You haven't advanced the ball. That much understood. The, yep. yeah. yeah. So is that it for the 47 texters? Yeah, we got through the 47 pretty quick this week. Well, that, 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 that was a lot of texters. Um, but before we go anywhere else, Chris, do you have any more new reasons to dislike the Parramatta Eels? I'm a generous man, Dennis. And in honour of we mentioned what a great game Junior Barlow had for the Blues and the fact that Clint Gutherson, who was again good round the joint and cited in his New South Wales tracksuit, <laughs> didn't get on the pitch. Thank but goodness. he gave us some rebuttal for Helen last week when Did she he? said, there's no connection between Rugby League and Elvis. And we said, have you seen Clint Gutherson's hips? So I am not going to articulate a reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels this week. It's a week off. It was rep round. We all enjoyed the break. I'll be back. No doubt. Uh, supplied by, I think you're playing Parramatta, is that right, Pat? Correct. Right. You Pat's might be, playing. Pat might have the raw material for well, another reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels next The Eels have been South bunnies, so to speak, over the last three or four years. Well, let's hope so. Because, of course, they did you know, withdraw that the RCG and Madison not playing for New South Wales. It was a great fillip for the New South Wales Blues. <laughs> but with that... I think we'll finish, we'll wrap up this episode of Fire Up. So please join us. Join Fire Up Rugby League on Facebook and Instagram. Now, don't forget that competition that if Chris Gale wins the $10,000, you could be the winner. If you can give us the best reason to keep Sam Burgess at the Axeman. Um, you can do the same on Fire Up NRL at Twitter or Blowing Up Deluxe on Facebook. Join the Blowing Up Deluxe Facebook group. I'm Dennis Carnahan with Pat Redfern, Pat and Chris saying good evening from Fire Up. Lay down here, rabbits. I'll show you what a facial is. <laughs>